The Sacramento Kings play soft at home. That's both the title of this podcast and a hard truth to swallow with the playoffs looming. But that line doesn't come from me. That comes from Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown after the Kings 142-134 to loss to the San Antonio Spurs here inside the Golden 1 Center. The Kings have already clinched home court advantage, but the way they've been playing inside this building suggests maybe that's not as big of an advantage as it should be. I'll explain right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long and soon to be all postseason long. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On for a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 at Prize Picks. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And yeah, I walked into the Golden One Center this afternoon expecting the Sacramento Kings not just to win and beat the San Antonio Spurs like they should, absolutely but for this team to clinch their first Pacific Division championship since 2003, just their third Pacific Division title uh, in Sacramento, in, in, in their history here in Sacramento. Unfortunately, that, that didn't happen. A record crowd of 18,183, I believe, the number was. A crowd has never been this big inside this arena for a Sacramento Kings basketball game. It happens on a Sunday matinee game against one of the worst teams, not just in the Western Conference, one of the worst teams in the league, and the Sacramento Kings lay an egg. The worst games and worst losses of the season have come in this building. That is non-negotiable and non-debatable. The Kings lose to the San Antonio Spurs on their home floor, lose to the Charlotte Hornets on their home floor, lose to the Washington Wizards on their home floor. For some reason, this team has figured out how to correct mistakes and how to bring more of an energy, bring more of an intensity, play better on the defensive end of the floor on the road where they are 10 games over 500 on the road. But when it comes to this building in front of this crowd, what should be the best, if not one of the best home court advantage in all of the NBA and all of professional sports. Instead, in this building, I don't know if it's the Sacramento Kings relax. I don't know if the Sacramento Kings don't take things seriously. I don't know if they're not playing with a sense of urgency. I don't know if they just expect to win and get punched in the face. I have no idea what the issue is. Maybe it's a combination of all of those plus some that I didn't list. But you're going to hear some very telling comments from Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown here in just a second. I compiled the best, most eye-opening sound bites from his post-game press conference. It's not super long. I'm not paying, playing his full press conference, but I'm going to play it first, and then I'm going to react to it because there's a lot to react to in there, a lot of concerns in there, chief amongst them being the Sacramento Kings are going to host Game 1 and Game 2 of the opening round of the playoffs in this building. Now, we can talk about whether or not the Kings should or shouldn't win a series based off the opponent that they face, right? If they end up facing the Golden State Warriors, the defending champions, who are just an hour and a half down I-80, okay, maybe that's not as big of a home court advantage as it should be with the amount of Warriors fans we would expect in this building, number one. And number two... Even with how bad they've been on the road this season, maybe the expectation should be, yeah, they're the defending champs. Even though they're the lower seed, they should be winning that series. 
Or maybe they play a, a team like the LA Clippers, who they've had a lot of success against. And even though the Clippers are a championship contender, maybe some people would be more willing to say, oh yeah, the Kings should be winning that series, especially with home court advantage. Well, the reality is, games one and games two in this building, they call that an advantage for a reason. If this goes to seven-game series, four out of the seven games are going to be played in this building. And yet, it's a joke, but it's also becoming kind of serious among Sacramento Kings fans at this point. Not that we won't want to watch the team play with our own eyes here in this building and in, in a sea of Sacramento purple, we're worried that the Sacramento Kings aren't going to play as well in this building compared to how they'll play on the road. And I'm going to talk a little bit later about the, the Kings' home and road records this season and how I expect them to translate to the playoffs. But there's clearly an issue here. There's clearly a problem. There's clearly a concern that might negate with the Sacramento Kings what you play the regular season for. You play the regular season to get a high enough seed to secure a home court advantage that will help you in the postseason. You do all this work, get to a position that nobody expected you to do uh, to get in, clinching top four, being days away from clinching top three, and a win away or another team's loss away from winning up a division championship. You do all that. You get home court advantage, and you don't show up. Based off of how the Kings have played at times on this floor, that's a legitimate concern. Here's Sacramento Kings head coach Mike Brown, a compilation of some of his most eye-opening comments after this Kings loss to the Spurs. I don't know what their mindset was individually coming into the game. I imagine some of them thought that we were just going to be able to show up and, and beat these guys. The win was just going to happen. And, uh, you know, maybe we need to get hit in the head a few times. Um, in order to uh, respect the game, respect the process, and understand that we have to bring it from the beginning of the game to the end. And hopefully uh, our guys will start uh, holding each other accountable and themselves accountable with their mental preparation coming into the game, especially on the defense end of the floor. We, we have not been good defensively at home. We just... Uh, I mean, the reality of it is we play sort of soft at home, you know, and I hate to say it, but that's it's what it is. It's factual. I mean, we, we, we have trouble stopping people on our home floor, and the tough part about it is our crowd is fantastic. You know, our, our crowd brings a ton of energy, but the energy just translates to our guys on the offense end of the floor. Uh, we don't have a lot of guys that want to uh, or that are able to um, consistently dig in and play at a high level with some sort of physicality on the defensive end of the floor, possession after possession after possession. And you know, we got four games to try to concentrate on that and get that right. It's the, the mental, physical things that I worry about more than the schematic things. Because like I said, you can fix those. The other stuff that's going to be hard to fix that has to come from within each individual. If I'm another team, I'm targeting us too. I would target us too, and and we're the only ones that can change that narrative. There's a a challenge in front of everybody when you're playing on the road because it's a hostile environment. The crowds, like, so you, you, your awareness and your sense of urgency uh, is is brought to the table a little bit more. When you're at home, you, you relax, you kind of go through the motions, and you think that eventually, especially versus a, a team that doesn't have a, a good record, you think that um, you're just going to win or somehow, some way you're going to go on a run, you're going to hit some threes and you're going to win. And, you know, that, that's what worries me uh, with this team is just 
uh, the, the, the inconsistency being physical defensively and playing with a sense of urgency no matter who's in front of us. There's different ways that you can continue to try to get your message across, but uh, sooner or later, I mean, there's going to have to be some fire from our guys. You, you know, um, I, I know from experience it doesn't matter what team I, I, I'm with. If, if it's a, a great team, if 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 we're playing or performing at, like at, at the level that we did out there. Uh, somebody's getting on somebody. I mean, there's some there's some sparks and some fire in the huddle, and our guys are still not to that point. You know, everybody's quiet and everybody's like, "Come on, we got to do better." But you know, we, we need some guys to step up and 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 continue to try to light a fire in each other's behind throughout the course of the game. There is so much for me to break down and take away from those comments. And I encourage you, if you maybe zoned out a little bit or if you didn't catch them all, uh, as we talk about it, go back and listen to what Mike Brown is saying again. Different things that I'm going to try and address as much as possible and and, and get my thoughts out as much as possible on because I found myself both... Uh, I mean, at times, just watching Mike in the press conference room, just sometimes mouth open, going, okay, these aren't the most egregious comments. They're not controversial comments. He's not screaming and yelling. But what he's saying is pretty significant. And I don't know if you caught some of the things that he was saying in there, some of the, the what he uh, insinuated or alluded to or suggested that the Sacramento Kings team is struggling with. Let's talk with talk about him right out of the gate now what's this is important context this is he always starts when he steps to the podium he starts with his own opening statements coaches do that players do not when players step to the podium they immediately start answering questions Mike Brown stepped to the podium and he starts with his comments and he usually always starts especially after a loss by giving the opposing team credit and then Mike on his own power without being asked specifically about it he starts talking about and starts questioning whether or not this team came into this game with the appropriate mindset. Now, again, I share with you, I came into this building expecting the Sacramento Kings to beat the San Antonio Spurs. I did. 18,000 people did as well. Hell, maybe some of the members of the San Antonio Spurs expected the same thing considering they were a 19-win team coming into tonight's game. That was the expectation. The Kings were going to come in here, and the Kings were going to win and maybe wipe the floor with the Spurs and secure another Pacific Division title. But Mike talks about, Mike questions whether or not there were guys that came in here just simply expecting to win. And the word that he used is not respecting the game, right? He says maybe we need to get hit in the head a couple times before we respect the game. He's talking about going through adversity, going through heartbreak, maybe something that needs to happen in the playoffs. Maybe the Kings need to get embarrassed on their home floor to wake the hell up. Maybe the Kings, I mean, a lot of teams you'll see need to make it all the way to the conference finals or sometimes NBA finals, lose, and then fight to get back there with a chip on their shoulder that ultimately helps them win, right? We've seen that many, many times over the course of not just NBA history, over the course of NFL playoffs, MLB playoffs. Like, that's just a kind of a common theme in sports. You get there, you taste that bitter defeat, and it makes you want to try harder and work harder to ultimately accomplish that goal. Now, of course, that's that's a couple steps up the ladder for the Sacramento Kings. Mike Brown is just talking about this team approaching each game with the same mindset, regardless of who you're playing, you need to handle your business, you need to not relax, especially on your home floor, come in with the respect that you have for the game, and play like you are the dominant team. And he questioned whether or not the Sacramento Kings did that tonight. He also said what we talked about at the start of the podcast, that the Kings are soft at home. They play soft at home. And he especially talked a lot about the physicality. He talked about 
how great the Sacramento Kings crowd is and the energy that they bring to the table, but he says this team only uses that energy on the offensive end of the floor. They don't use it on defense. He says this team relaxes on defense in their home building, but not when they're on the floor, or rather not when they're on the road. When they're on the road, they're in a hostile environment, so they're trying to not just beat the team they're playing, they're trying to beat everybody in the crowd, kind of shut them up a little bit, and I understand that completely as a competitor, but when you're on your home floor, when you're in your home building, where your logo is literally at center court, your colors are everywhere, you have 18,000 of your fans in the building cheering you on, don't you want to defend them? Don't you want to step on the floor and say, this is our place, you are not having your way in our building? Because it's funny, it's not just the San Antonio Spurs that had their way here in Sacramento. Every single team seems to come in here and have a good game against Sacramento. The joke is, man, these teams don't miss. You can say it every single night. Now, maybe the San Antonio Spurs didn't shoot nearly as well as we've seen other teams come in and shoot this season, but when it came to winning time, when it came to the fourth quarter and came to overtime, every single San Antonio Spur that was touching the ball could not miss. Now, credit to them, of course, for hitting their big shots. And the San Antonio Spurs, over the course of this game, hit big shots to stop or snuff out any kind of Kings rally and really take this crowd out of the game. I give them credit for that. It was the same credit I gave to the Minnesota Timberwolves in this building on Monday night when uh, the, the Sacramento Kings played them for a chance to clinch the actual playoffs. So you give the opposing team credit for hitting shots and stepping up in the moment, but why are you continuing to allow those teams to have those moments and step up and hit those shots in your building? Tipping your cap only goes so far. You can't tip your cap to every team and every player that comes in here and and shoots over 50% and drops 120 on you. You can't just tip your cap at that and say, man, they just we couldn't stop them tonight. No, clearly you can, but you're not. Why aren't you able to do that on your home floor when you're able to do that on the road? Especially in the playoffs when this is going to be your sanctuary. This is going to be the only place that you even get a little bit of reprieve. A little bit of a break because you go on the road, you face everybody at the playoffs, the spotlight is brightest, national TV audience. If you think you're under a microscope now, it's only going to magnify tenfold. Wouldn't you want to have your best games and defend the people in here that are going to cheer and support every little thing that you do and not just wait for the adversity of the road for you to step up and play that way? Mike uh, talked about only having four games to get things right. I'm going to talk about this towards the end of the podcast a little bit, but Kings have one more home game. That's against the Golden State Warriors, who damn well could be their playoff first-round opponent. Three of those games are on the road. Again, we maybe that's a good thing, because we know how well the Kings perform on the road in their quest to, to, to 50 wins. They need to win three out of these last four games to get to that 50-win goal that they've set for themselves. But maybe, just maybe, the Kings should consider not resting anybody and approaching these four games like they have to win them to get into the playoffs, play with that sense of urgency, and figure these things out. Because Mike Brown's comments on the podium and the comments of both De'Aaron Fox and Keegan Murray were extremely different. Extremely different. Now, I kind of expect that to some extent. Like, I'm, I'm not expecting Keegan Murray, especially as a rookie, but De'Aaron Fox, and maybe he needs to, but I'm not expecting Fox to step to the podium. It's not his personality to step up and go, man, we are terrible here, here, and here, and start calling out the team and things like that. The things that Mike Brown is comfortable doing and has the respect to do. I don't necessarily expect that from the players, right? 
but when you hear the way that Keegan Murray and my, and De'Aaron Fox talked about, like, we need to figure it out. De'Aaron Fox said the alarm bells have been going off about the defense for a while. We just need to stop it. Keegan Murray said we'll figure it out. And I followed up with Keegan asking him a question like, you got four games left. You have just weeks before playoff basketball starts. You can't go into the playoffs trying to figure things out. Like, how long does it take? At this point, like, I'll listen to a we need to figure things out excuse when you're 40, 50 games in at the latest. And we thought that this team did figure it out with how they played from the uh, the, the all-star break onward. And you know what? I, I look at that all-star break and how the Kings played, and I see a team that faced adversity, that recognized they needed to win these games, played with a sense of urgency, saw not just what the rest of the West was doing, but saw what everybody was saying about them and how they're not going to succeed then they got off to that really good start, played extremely well, got to a position where they were basically guaranteed to clinch, and since then have taken their foot off the gas, especially at home. If, if, if you need to play like you are facing adversity every single night or nobody expects you to do anything, I mean, maybe that's a good thing for the playoffs based off of how so, uh, so many national pundits and, and people in general seem to think that the Sacramento Kings are guaranteed to be a first-round exit to, regardless of having home court advantage. But if you don't bef- defend your home floor, you're going to prove them right. So you only got four games left to figure it out. I don't know what you need to do to figure it out, but the main thing that should be on the minds of the Sacramento Kings in terms of things they have to correct and things they absolutely have to lock down or lock in going into the postseason it's winning on this floor because if they do not win here in Sacramento they are not winning a playoff series they are screwed telling you that right now Mike Brown talked about the Kings relaxing at home and they expect to win this is something that we kind of talked about already but I, I want this team to expect to win at home but I don't want them to play like it's already a done deal. And I think there's a big difference there. Come out of your tunnel expecting you're going to get a dub in front of your 18,000 fans. Come out of that tunnel expecting to have only success on this uh, home floor and come into this game the same way every fan is coming into this game tonight against the Spurs and say there's no way that we're leaving without a victory. Bring that mindset for sure, but don't play like the game is already won. And I think that's what Mike Brown is talking about. These guys came into tonight's game expecting to win and playing like it was already a foregone conclusion. Even if you're playing a team that's actively tanking, those players are still trying to win, and they brought it to the Sacramento Kings tonight, and the Kings weren't ready. Uh, the Kings weren't ready to respond. And, you know, Mike even shared what he was worried about. He said he's worried about the inconsistency with two things. The physicality, which is something we've talked about all season long, and the lack of urgency. Those are two things that we should probably be keeping an eye on over these final four games of the season. Finally, uh, Mike talks about being targeted by other teams in the playoffs. You know, we've already talked about that before. I don't need to go into too much detail, but I like what Mike said. If I, I, I would be targeting us, too. We're the only ones that can change that narrative. That needs to light a fire on the Sacramento Kings. I said finally, maybe I, I missed something, which is the most important thing, maybe of this entire uh, of all the sound bites. Mike talked about how he can only get his message across so much, and at some point in games when the Kings aren't performing to the level that they expect, he needs to call a timeout. And when those guys are together in the huddle, they need to. Someone needs to be speaking up. Some player needs to be holding the guys accountable. 
That's leadership that we've questioned with this Kings team for a while. Now, the Kings do have leaders. They have great locker room leaders, guys like Harrison Barnes. De'Aaron Fox leads by example. There aren't too many guys on this roster that necessarily chew anybody out. But at some point, when the Kings know they need to be playing better, know they're capable of playing better, aren't performing up to the level of their and the crowd's expectations and their coaches' expectations, it's on them to figure that out and get that message across. And maybe the Kings have been lulled sometimes into a, a false sense of security where because their offense is so good, even if they're playing bad on defense, they know, okay, there's 20 minutes left, we can catch fire, we can win games. And while that's great for this team to be capable of doing that, it's good that that's a trait of this team. If they come in expecting that to bail them out every single night, especially in the playoffs, they're in for a rude awakening. I thought it was very telling to me that Mike Brown wasn't directly calling out his team, but what he said was, look, at some point, I need someone, I need players, I need someone in that locker room, someone on this bench to start lighting a fire and holding and, and, and preaching some accountability because Mike and his coaching staff can only say and do so much. They're not the ones actually on the floor playing, winning, or losing basketball games. A lot of great stuff there from that Mike Brown press conference. Uh, look, when I look at the Kings' home and road records, these are my takeaways, mainly focusing on the road record, right? The Kings are 23-17 and 17 now at home. They are 24 and 14 on the road. 10 games over 500 on the road is phenomenal. That is why the Kings are in the position that they are in. That is a position I did not expect this Kings team to be in. To me, that's one of the most astonishing stats and numbers about this Kings season is how well this team has played on the road. How do I expect that to translate to the postseason? What that number tells me is that in the postseason, the Sacramento Kings are capable of winning a or some big road games over the course of the series. What that doesn't tell me is that the Sacramento Kings should be better on the road than they are at home, and that will lead to their success. I'm telling you right now, if the Kings get the Golden State Warriors in a seven-game series, let's say that game uh, that series goes to all seven, I give the Kings a good chance to win one, one road game. That's how good the Warriors are. That means you have to win three at home. Can the Kings do that? Have they played well enough in this building to suggest that they are going to do that? I might give them two against the LA Clippers, one against the Phoenix Suns. Again, this team is capable of winning on the road, especially big games, gotta have it games. Maybe they lose a game at home in the first two and they need to get one back on the road so they win game three or game four. I can see this team being capable of doing that. But this Kings team should not be expecting to rely on winning two or even three games on the road and to come out of a best-in-seven series and advance to the next round. That's a recipe for disaster. So even though they're a good road team, some would say a great road team, that is not a recipe for success in the postseason. It's really a shame that the Kings, like the biggest letdown for this fan base is the Kings had an opportunity to right their wrong, right? Maybe we all were in the wrong for expecting the Sacramento Kings to beat the Minnesota Timberwolves and absolutely clinch the playoffs. I'll listen to that. Maybe I think that's fair criticism. I think some of us came in, myself included, with expecting the Kings to win that game when Minnesota is a good team, even though they lost to the Portland Trailblazers today by two, which just, I guess anybody can win on any given night, right? As the San Antonio Spurs beating the Kings does prove. But... You have a chance at home after winning two in Portland to right that wrong in front of a record crowd and not clinch the playoffs, but celebrate clinching the playoffs with these fans and give them a division championship, give them something to clinch on their home floor. And you don't do that. Now, the Kings still are likely winning the Pacific Division, but they're probably going to do it on the road now. 
Is that the biggest deal in the world? No, but it's a letdown because there were fans in this building that were hoping to see that and for the second straight game, the Kings laid an egg on their home floor. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, like I said at the top of the show, is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy sports. The way it works, you pick two to six players and choose the over or the under on their Prize Picks projected scoring totals. And it's not just for the biggest names, right? It's not just for De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis every single night. It could be for Kevin Herter. It could be for Trey Lyles. It could be for Alex Len even. They have projected overs and unders for all players on all teams any given night. You pick two to six players, you get those right, you can win up to 10 or rather 25 times your money on any entry. It's no competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available and they don't just have it for the NBA, of course they have it for the NFL, MLB, uh, college athletics, fighting sports, anything you name it, they have it. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, it's that easy, they offer safe and fast withdrawals and are currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, you get $100 there. If you deposit $50, you get $50. It's free money for you to make more money on prize picks, the number one way to play daily fantasy sports. We have loved and celebrated fourth quarter Fox this season. And once again tonight, we got fourth quarter Fox. 16 points, 7 of 10 shooting from the field, 2 assists for number 5 in the fourth quarter. Kingsman had a shot to win this game without him, of course. He's going to win the Clutch Player of the Year. He's been magnificent in the fourth quarter, and the Kings are going to rely on that and need that in the playoffs for sure, without a doubt. But sometimes I think this team maybe gets a little too reliant on fourth quarter Fox. I want to talk about that last possession. Happened right here next to me. Kings tie game, 16 seconds left. De'Aaron Fox, we know this is his shot, right? He gets the ball right in front of half court and just kind of dribbles and dribbles and dribbles. He's dribbling out the clock to make sure that the San Antonio Spurs don't have any kind of chance uh, to respond. Totally understandable. Again, I fully expect De'Aaron to get this shot. I trust him completely to get to his spots. Well, the San Antonio Spurs throw a double team at De'Aaron. The issue that I have with this is that De'Aaron Fox was standing on the logo just barely over the half-court line. That De'Aaron, or that double team comes, De'Aaron is forced to pass out of it because he has nowhere to go. His back is already to that half-court line. He steps backwards. It's a backcourt violation. It's a turnover. So, Unless he's quick enough, which he does have the quickness, but it's it's hard to exp- uh, expect him to completely blow by two different f- defenders running at him at different angles. Essentially, he is forced to give up the basketball, which he does. It goes to Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter tries to hit the game-winning three when the Kings only needed a point to win. Kevin Herter misses the shot. First off, brilliant by Greg Popovich and the Spurs to throw a double team at Fox. It's not the most clever thing in the world. It's not surprising at all. Fox even said after the game that he expected to have a double team thrown at him. But because of Fox's positioning, it guaranteed took the ball out of his hands. I wish, I mean, I think all him taking one or two more steps forward away from the half-court line, I think makes all the difference in the world. I could be wrong. Just from my viewpoint, it makes sense that De'Aaron needs a little bit more room to move backwards, move side to side. He has more room. He can maybe dribble through, dribble away from that double team, and ultimately your best player is getting the best shot possible. Instead, you dribbled out the majority of the clock, stood still until the double team came. At that point, you don't have too much time to react. You give up the basketball. You're forcing Kevin Herter to take a buzzer beater three off balance uh, to try and win yourself the game. It's a wasted possession. I would have liked to see the Kings do something a lot better there in that fourth quarter. I'm not saying that the Kings shouldn't have gone to De'Aaron Fox in that spot. Quite the opposite, right? I know that's De'Aaron Fox's spot. I trust him with the ball in his hands. The thing is, I want him taking a shot, and he didn't even get a shot off. Now, a lot of times, teams will throw double teams against the best player to ensure that that guy doesn't beat them. 
So credit again to the San Antonio Spurs for doing that. But sometimes I think the Sacramento Kings are a little too reliant on fourth quarter Fox to save them. The rest of the team, while De'Aaron had 16 points on 7 of 10 shooting, the rest of the team had 15 points on 5 of 12 shooting from the field. Again, fourth quarter Fox is going to be a necessity for the success of the Sacramento Kings in the playoffs. And if the game is close, I like the Kings' chances with De'Aaron leading the way. But maybe a little more ball movement. The Kings do such a good job. Their success this season on the offensive end has been moving the basketball, sharing the basketball. I know De'Aaron is elite in isolation at getting to his favorite spots, especially that elbow jumper right by the foul line. But if you do it every single possession up the floor, it becomes predictable. And if De'Aaron's missing the shot, everybody else is just kind of standing around watching. So I would like to see maybe a little more ball movement in the fourth quarter than what the Kings uh, showed tonight. Not Fox's fault, not anybody's fault. I think it's just a schematic thing. The Kings were undefeated in overtime before tonight. Did you realize that? I tweeted it out, and apparently I wasn't supposed to tweet out that stat before overtime started, but it was a stat. The Kings were 4-0 and in OT coming into tonight. Now, of course, they're 4-1. and That one loss, the San Antonio Spurs. I'm not trying to disrespect the Spurs. I recognize that they have NBA players. These are still the elite of the elite basketball players, some of the best players in the world. They play competitive basketball. But here's the reality. It is not an insult to the Spurs to say that a Sacramento Kings team as good as we believe and know this Kings team to be. It's not insulting to say they should have come in and if they played the way that they are capable of playing, wipe the floor with San Antonio. That's a 19-58 and 58 team. And while the players are playing for their future and could care less about what's happening in the draft, we know what that organization's goal is. The Sacramento Kings allowed that team to come in and establish confidence and take control of this game and maintain control for the majority of this contest. That cannot happen, especially with the players that they're throwing out there. Seven Spurs in double figures. What what that says to me is that says as a team, they are confident. As a team, they believe they can get anything they want, and they were. They got to a point where they were playing so well offensively through the first three quarters that when it came to the fourth quarter and overtime, when they had to hit shots, they were because they were already in a rhythm and were at peak confidence. Didn't matter if they couldn't stop the Kings on this end of the floor because the Kings couldn't stop them over there. Look, Julian Champagne, uh, Champagne had 26 points tonight. His career high coming into tonight was 12. That's unacceptable. And unfortunately, far too common for players to come in and have career highs against the Sacramento Kings. They probably lead the league in that. Doug McDermott, good player, really solid role player, comes off the bench and drops 30 on your head. The San Antonio Spurs bench as a whole, 78 points. That's unacceptable. That cannot happen. Maybe a team with a championship caliber bench, with championship caliber depth, maybe that team comes in and punches you in the mouth and beats you the way the Spurs did tonight. But you can't allow literally one of the worst, if not the worst team in the league to come in and do that to you, especially on your home floor. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. As March Madness is winding down, so is our Built Bar bracket. You can go and see who's on our Final Four and who's going to be in our championship too by going onto uh, uh, Built Bar Madness. Uh, go onto the Built Bar website and you can vote now for your winner. Uh, whatever your favorite bar is, if they're still in, make sure you give them that vote or see which bars are left and, uh, and, and, and share your vote into either the flavor that you know is the best or a flavor that you think would be the best. And those who think that flavor would be the best but have never tried it, then it's your job to go to Built.com and order that flavor for you to try. But here's the best part, actually. You no longer have to just order on Built.com. You can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club, go to the pharmacy section. You can now get a box right then and there so you don't have to wait for them to ship to you. Buy them in the store. 
eat them as a snack on your drive home from the grocery store uh, and tell me that you do not like them. Built Bars are protein bars covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. So many delicious flavors. Uh, but the best part is they are very, very healthy for you despite uh, replacing that sweet tooth. We're talking only 160 calories. Uh, we're talking um, uh, like uh, only 17 grams uh, or 17 grams of protein and only like 5 grams of sugar. Like these bars are so wonderful. Plus they have the uh, built granola bars. They're uh, built puffs, which are protein-infused marshmallows. Go and give them a try, whether you go to Walmart and Sam's Club and buy some there, or go on to Built.com. Order them, give them a shot, and tell me what your favorite flavor is, or vote for them on our Built Bar Madness. I got to wrap up really quickly here because I'm looking at the battery on my camera and I'm at like 5%. Yikes! So I'm going to kind of power through this final segment here, but kind of like what I alluded to earlier. The Sacramento Kings have four games remaining. Three of them road, one at home. That, especially that game at home, which is the second to last game of the season this upcoming Friday against the Golden State Warriors. That game could have playoff implications. could be a playoff preview. It might not be. We have no idea at this point in time. But to me, as much as I understand the strategy of shutting players down before the playoffs begin, if the Kings are still trying to figure these things out, you need to use every bit of time that you have here to figure it out. Yes, you will get a gap in between the final game of the season and the start of uh, of playoffs. It's like a five-game gap or something like that while the play-in is going on. Thankfully, the Kings won't have to worry about that. But if the Kings are using that gap to try and fix these mistakes and address these mistakes, I feel like it's too little too late at that point. It might already be too little too late now for some of the issues that this Kings team has, especially defensively. But to me, don't shut these guys down. I don't want to see De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis playing more than 30 minutes a night over the remainder of the season if you can help it, but go and win games. Accomplish your 50-win goal if you can, but ultimately correct these mistakes. I think Friday's game against the Golden State Warriors is huge, a last opportunity for you to show how good you can be on this home floor and build a little home confidence going into games one and game two. Am I crazy for saying don't shut these guys down or not? If you want to respond to that and answer that question, if you want to respond to anything that we've talked about on today's podcast, please do so. You, of course, can do that on Twitter, at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com, or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Appreciate your support. Appreciate all of you who said hello to me here on the Locked on Kings, uh, or rather at the uh, at the game today. And we have one more opportunity to do that here in the final home game of the regular season. A lot of you have been asking me how to get playoff tickets. I know what the best way is to essentially become a season ticket holder. But they announced today that a wait list for single game playoff tickets is coming available. Uh, and it's, I think, available for you to sign up now on kings.com. So... I'm not 100% sure if that's accurate or not, but take a look at that. See if there's a wait list for you to sign up and put your name on. Of course, if you're coming to any of the Kings playoff games, and hopefully there are a lot of them here in this building, uh, if that's the case, let me know, uh, and I would love to see you and, and talk to you at that game, any of those games, or the final game of the regular season. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube too, leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. I'm racing the battery, so I gotta go. Appreciate your support. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings, hopefully a more positive episode. My name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.